Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption. This is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell. So Pierre Polyev is uh, denouncing Christine Anderson as a racist. Christine Anderson, you may uh, be aware, a member of the European Parliament, representing the Alternative for German Party. And she was on the show recently to promote her tour of Canada. She's in Canada right now until tomorrow, I believe. She, uh, she wanted to come and meet the truckers who took part in the Freedom Convoy one year ago. She said she wanted to come and meet them because she was so inspired by the uh, millions of people around the world, in fact, were inspired by the, the Freedom Convoy, who were also standing up against government overreach and authoritarianism. So she's here and she met with several conservative MPs, Dean Allison, Colin Carey and Leslin Lewis. They had dinner with Christine. But then the uh, anti-hate network expressed disapproval. And then there was this piece in today's Toronto Sun by Warren Kinsella. Former Liberal Party strategist. Let me uh, crib from Warren's article. Governments defeat themselves. But opposition parties can defeat themselves, too. And this past week, the Conservative Party of Canada was busy doing just that. Three well-known Conservative MPs, one of them a two-time leadership contender, met with Christine Anderson, a member of the European Parliament from the Alternative Party for, uh, for Germany, the AFD. The three Ontario Conservative MPs, Leslin Lewis, Dean Allison, Colin Kerry, are seen smiling as they stand alongside Anderson, who is on a cross-Canada tour. 
Big deal, some might say, and have. But Anderson and the AFD are extremists. And the meeting led to a condemnation by Canada's Center for Israel and Jewish Affairs. Wrote CIGA, we're deeply concerned by CPC MPs Leslin Lewis, Dean Allison, and Colin Carey meeting with Anderson, a member of the far-right German AFD party known for Islamophobic and anti-immigrant views. We raised this directly with the Conservative Party. Lewis, Allison, and Kerry can be and have frequently been dismissed as fringe kooks within their own party. I'm not sure that they've been dismissed as fringe kooks by anyone within their own party. Perhaps. Maybe that's true. I don't know. I don't consider Leslin Lewis to be a fringe kook. I don't know Allison and Kerry. Last year... He goes on, when leadership contender Lewis likened vaccination to, as another conservative leadership contestant put it, being tortured in a Nazi concentration camp, she was condemned widely. The Jewish independent, among others, called her words irresponsible and base. That's fair. Colin Carey, for his part, last achieved fame when he told the Commons the subversive World Economic Forum organization had infiltrated the liberal government adding that the WEF had penetrated more than half of Canada's cabinet, which earned Kerry condemnations by other opposition MPs. Well, hold on. Right off the, you're, you're off the rails there, Warren Kinsella. Klaus Schwab has admitted that the WEF has infiltrated our cabinet. I don't think there's any question at this point that they have undue influence. He goes on. Allison, meanwhile, has promoted his links to anti-vaccination types, among them Paul Alexander, a Canadian who worked for the Donald Trump administration in the U.S. Ah, so simply by being affiliated with someone who is affiliated with the Trump organization, all of a sudden that makes you what? Extremist, a kook? You can do better than that. So a trio of Canadian kooks, here we go, met with a European kook, Does it matter? When one examines the words and deeds of Anderson and her AFD, it does. All right, now this is important. Anderson has attacked Muslims on social media, calling Muslim immigration billions in costs for the welfare state. Now, I have not seen any social media posts from Anderson attacking Muslims. She has attacked mass, and she may have, and if that's true, then... I mean, I'd like to speak to her directly about these accusations, of course. It's very easy to label people far-right, extremist, anti-Semitic. Of course, I condemn anti-Semitism. But she's certainly against mass migration. That doesn't make you racist by any stretch. Not necessarily racist. I don't know what's in her heart. She may harbor racist views. I'd have to ask her directly. He goes on, she supports Russia over Ukraine. Well, uh, I don't think it's entirely that clear. I think anyone who's pushing for some sort of peaceful settlement now is considered to be a puppet of Putin. You can't even suggest that Zelensky is anything but Thomas Jefferson without being labeled a puppet of Putin. Now, this part is troubling, admittedly so. She's participated in street marches organized by 
P-E-G-I-D-A, PEGIDA, a group whose acronym stands for Patriotic Europeans Against the Islamization of the Occident, has been described by the, well, the Southern Poverty Law Center. He's citing the Southern Poverty Law Center as a far right. uh, Well, the Poverty Law Center is citing this group associated with Anderson as a far right anti-immigrant street movement. Now, we should be very careful about using the Southern Poverty Law Center as some sort of a standard. If you are opposed to illegal immigration, you are considered by the Southern Poverty Law Center to be a far right extremist. Her AFD is anti-immigrant, anti-Islam, and often anti-Semitic, he writes. Formed in 2013, the AFD has already established itself as a force in Germany's parliament, the Bundestag, and the European Parliament. Two years ago, the German Federal Office for the Protection of the Constitution called the AFD a far or a right-wing extremist endeavor against the free democratic basic order and as not compatible with the basic law and actually placed it under intelligence surveillance for being an extremist group. Well, that doesn't really give me any indication one way or the other. Being placed under surveillance by an intelligence group, Donald Trump was placed under surveillance. Dr. Martin Luther King was placed under surveillance. I'm not comparing Trump to King. I'm not comparing Christine Anderson to King. The point is, just because you're placed under surveillance by some government apparatus isn't any isn't necessarily indicative of anything other than for whatever reason, perhaps they consider you a threat, a threat to whom a threat to what evidence of the AFD's extremism extremism. Oh, he goes on with uh, other examples. Um, AFD's party leaders have apparently called Holocaust memorials shameful. If that's true, I would condemn that categorically. They have dismissed the horrors perpetrated by the Nazi regime as bird crap. They have defended former Canadian Holocaust denier Ernst Sundel. If those are, if that's true, they should be condemned categorically denounced. I've, I've not had an indication from Christine Anderson listening to her speeches on YouTube. Of course, we didn't get into this on the show. I've not had an indication that she is in any way a Holocaust denier. In fact, she has retweeted posts from Holocaust survivors talking about authoritarian overreach during the pandemic. Anyway, uh, this is um, this is potentially quite troubling. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. 
call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Maxime Bernier also uh, met with Christine Anderson. He's going to be on the program today. I'll ask him about this. But again, I, I need to hear this from Christine Anderson. I'm going to try to get her back on the show. I don't believe she's a Holocaust denier. If she were, I wouldn't have her on the show. If she is, then I would apologize for having her on the show. But citing the Southern Poverty Law Center, that's problematic. Anything that they condemn, you have to uh, take with a grain of salt. Pierre Polyev has uh, condemned it. The uh, three conservative MPs who met and had dinner with Christine Anderson have since apologized. As I say, Mad Max, leader of the People's Party, he's going to be here shortly. He'll discuss meeting with Christine Anderson and I'll also get Max's thoughts on uh, 15 minute cities, digital ID and more. All right, we have a busy, busy show for you, as per usual. Last order of business, I'm going to open up the phone lines, take your calls, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. Also in the second hour, Greg Carrasco from the Greg Carrasco Show will be here. We call it There's Something Happening Here. We'll talk Steelheads hockey with Mike Carafalidis, commentator for the Steelheads, They've got a busy Friday, Saturday coming up, and we'll also, of course, give a pair of tickets away to see the Steelheads Friday, March the 3rd against the North Bay Battalion. Of course, you have to participate in the Lim Riddle contest, and uh, the Lim Lim Riddler will be here with this week's Lim Riddle Clue. The Sofa Cinephile will be here with a uh, a special look. I believe it's just been released on uh, 4K. Stand By Me, a wonderful, I think that came out about 1986, American coming-of-age drama based on Stephen King's book, The Body. River Phoenix, Will Wheaton, Jerry O'Connell, Corey Feldman, Kiefer Sutherland, great cast. All right, what else do we have going on? That's it. Mad Max, coming your way. In mere moments. All right. The Richard Serrett Show off and running for Friday, Feb 24th. Facta non verba. We're back as the Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk Saga 960 AM. All right. Welcome back. So, Pierre Polyev denouncing a member of European Parliament, Christine Anderson, as a vile and racist. Piece in uh, today's Toronto Sun by Warren Kinsella, liberal strategist, talking about um, cons- um, Christine Anderson's party, the Alternative for Germany party, as far right, anti Semitic, anti immigration, Holocaust deniers. And again, I had uh, Christine on the program 
after she announced she was coming to Canada as part of her tour, she wanted to meet the uh, Freedom Convoy truckers, said she was inspired by them. I don't know what's in her heart. Certainly, if she were a Holocaust denier, I would denounce her. I would not have her on the program again. She's, I followed her on YouTube. I've been inspired by her speeches. Um, I've seen no indication that she's an anti-Semite. I could be wrong. However, uh, she'll be here until tomorrow. She's um, been touring Ontario, Quebec, and Alberta. She was presented with an award in Calgary. The Honorable Max Bernier, leader of the People's Party of Canada, is uh, here. He met recently with uh, Christine Anderson. Max, how are you? Great. Thank you very much for having me, Richard. Uh, let me get your um, your thoughts. Pierre Polyev denouncing Christine Anderson after three conservative MPs had dinner with her. You met her. I mean, do you have any indication? Does she strike you as being anti-Semitic, a Holocaust denier? No, absolutely not. Actually, Kinsella said the same thing about me in 2019 because I was uh, uh, looking for uh, a sustainable immigration and fewer immigrants. And actually, she uh, she's doing the same thing in Europe, in Germany. So is it because you want uh, fewer immigrants in your country that you are racist? No. We had that debate in Quebec at every election, and we will have that debate in, in Canada at the next uh, general election. She's a great lady. She did more for freedom than all these conservatives MPs, including Pierre Polyev. You know, she put our country on, on the map during the Freedom Convoy. She had the courage to deliver a speech in the European Parliament when Trudeau was there, and she told him, that what he was doing in our country, the segregation, the discrimination, the vaccine passport, freezing bank accounts, was something that an authoritarian government do, not supposed to be a free and democratic country like our country, Canada. So I was with her yesterday night, Richard. Uh, we had a cocktail together. I did a video with her. She's a great lady. She's a real freedom fighter. And she's so proud of Canadians. Because we started that movement. Our truckers here started the movement. And after that, you had other freedom convoy in Europe and in the U.S. In the US. So all that, you know, now you can see the real Pierre Poliev. Uh, O'Toole, that was a little bit more easier because he, he, he did a big uh, uh, change to the left a couple of days after the leadership. But Poliev, step by step, we know that what he did during the freedom convoy, a photo op, that was only that a photo op, and you know he was uh, nowhere to be seen uh, the last uh, three years when we did rallies all across the country in small towns or big cities. And now, because at the end of the freedom convoy, it was more popular to be pro uh, convoy, he was with them. But now he said, and I just want to repeat it: he said she and her racist, hateful views are not welcome here. You know, he's, he is doing like Kinsella. He wants to discredit uh, a member of the European Parliament elected. And, uh, and actually, I'm saying to these three MPs who had a photo with her, you are welcome. If you have conviction, you must uh, leave that, um, like I said, intellectual and morally corrupt political party and come with us uh, if you have real conviction because we are doing politics by convictions. 
So uh, Leslie and all these uh, other two uh, MPs, if you want to come, uh, our doors are open at the PPC for people like you if you have freedom conviction. Max, we'll take a quick time out, come back and uh, discuss uh, further. I also want to get your take on uh, 15 minute cities. Back with more of our conversation. The Richard Serrett Show right here on Saga 960. Don't go away. Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard Serrett Show. We are back with the Honorable Maxime Bernier, Mad Max, leader of the People's Party of Canada, talking about Christine Anderson, member of the European Parliament, uh, being denounced by Warren Kinsella in the Toronto Sun, Pierre Polyev, leader of the Conservative Party of Canada, um, as a vile, racist, anti-Semitic, anti-immigration. Um, now, again, I've I had her on the show. Um, I've, I've followed her on uh, social media. I've seen her numerous speeches before the European Parliament on YouTube. Found uh, her speeches to be uh, inspiring for the most part. And um, admittedly, though, not as familiar with her party, the AFD. This is the alternative for German party. Do you know anything about the AFD? I mean, they've been described in Kinsella's uh, piece as being, you know, Holocaust deniers, supporters of Ernst Sundel. I mean, if true, I mean, that's, you know, it is pretty vile. If it's true, I don't know if it's true. Have you what do you know about the AFD, Max? I know that it's a populist party like us here, the People's Party in Canada. And I know that the establishment political parties in Germany uh, did try to discredit that uh, political party. And the main focus on that party is uh, they are against mass immigration. And usually when you are against mass immigration, you try to pin that party and telling to people that that party is a racist party. It is not. And I hope that you'll be able to have uh, her tomorrow on your show. She will explain that. And I will say to your auditors that try to find something on YouTube or, or Facebook or Twitter, every, something that she said about Holocaust, you won't be able to find anything about that. She's not an Holocaust denier. That's only a campaign to discredit. Uh, and I, you know, I know what it is. They try to do that. Actually, the Conservative Party of Canada paid Kinsella $60,000 for to try to discredit the PPC when we created the PPC in 2018. So I'm not surprised that it's coming from Kinsella. And these eight groups in Canada are funded by the Liberal government and, and their socialist organization. So, uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm pretty, uh, I know her. Uh, I was with her on different uh, Zoom teleconference meetings during COVID-19. And, uh, you know, she's a great lady, and I was very pleased to be with her in person yesterday in Montreal. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. 
tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. All right. Yes, as, as I said earlier, um, I've seen her tweet or retweet posts from Holocaust survivors on her, uh, you know, who were who were warning um, people that this is how it begins with authoritarian governments and government overreach and so forth in the pandemic during the pandemic. So that to me struck me as someone hardly would be considered a Holocaust denier if she's retweeting posts from Holocaust survivors. Um, if you were a Holocaust denier, she would say, well, this never happened. <laughs> I've never heard her say that. Um, she, she's fighting, Richard, she's fighting against a uh, supranational government. And, and she believes in individual freedom and personal responsibility. That's why she's so popular in Europe and in Canada. So, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that you'll have a good discussion with her tomorrow if she's able to come. I know that she's going to the U.S., um, but uh, it's only a campaign to try to discourage her. All right. I'm glad to hear. I'm, you know, I'm hoping that that's the case and um, I, I will try and get her back on the program tomorrow. Max, I wanted to get your take on everyone's talking now about 15 minute cities. We saw them in Oxford, England. People there are rising up now, very upset about being uh, potentially, you know, uh, penned into a particular neighborhood in your city. Uh, you would be uh, you would be required required to get a permit to travel to another part of the city. Uh, you know, they're trying to get rid of private uh, automobiles. This is kind of a long-term goal with these 15-minute cities. And now they're coming to Canada. They seem to be uh, spreading, uh, particularly in Alberta, Edmonton, Calgary. What are your thoughts? Should we be concerned? Yeah, all that is coming from the World Economic Forum and the UN, these socialist organization. Uh, and, and the goal is nice. You know, you want for, for people living in a city to have everything near their house. Uh, you know, it's a nice goal. Goal, sorry. But that being said, uh, I know that that could uh, be used to impose larger scale uh, of control, like, you know, climate lockdowns with citizens being uh, fined if they use their car too much and exceed their carbon budget. It's something like that can happen, but it won't happen tomorrow, like you said. It's a nice concept. They are, they are speaking about that nicely and they're saying, no, no, we don't want to do that. We don't want to impose any restriction on people. But, you know, when it's coming from the World Economic Forum, you can be suspect. And I'm suspect and I'm telling people that in the near future, they may, they may use that to impose more control on, on us and, and a kind of a social credit in China. But I must say, that's not the case right now. And uh, it's only maybe we'll see that in the near future. Uh, but I just want to tell people that uh, that may be one of their goal, uh, but they won't say that publicly. All right. A quick comment about what's happening at Roxham Road. Uh, now the Quebec premier is finally standing up and saying, you know, don't dump your problems on the people of Quebec because these um, illegal migrants pouring into Canada are being put up in hotels at taxpayers expense. Um, what, what, what are your thoughts? Should we build a wall at Roxham Road? We should build a fence. I said that four years ago. And actually, Legault is right. And Legault is doing a little bit like Decentis. He's, say, he's uh, saying, saying to uh, these uh, migrants, you know, it would be better for you to be another other place than in Montreal. And I know that he's sending them by buses 
in Ontario and other provinces. So we must stop all that. It's easy. Actually, the, the that road, the Roxanne Road, was closed during COVID-19. And so nothing happened. You don't have to have a new negotiation with the U.S. about that treaty. No, we are a sovereign country. We are an independent country. We have borders, and we these borders must be respected. So actually, I will be there at the Roxanne Road tomorrow afternoon. I will look at it, and I will deliver a little speech over there. Like I said four years ago, we need to have a little fence and telling them politically, if you want to cross our border, go at an official port of entry, and you'll be welcome. But okay. if they, won't, they, they won't do that because they know that they're not real refugees, and they will have to go back to the U.S. Max Bernier, the leader of the People's Party of Canada. Max, thank you so much, as always. We'll talk again soon, I hope. Thank you, Richard. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. All right. All the best. All right. Let's open up the phone lines. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. Whatever you want to talk about. We'll make the phone lines available to you. The Richard Serrett Show right here on Saga 960. Stay with us. You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. 289-275-9600. Just a reminder, coming up in the second hour, Greg Carrasco will be here from The Greg Carrasco Show. I mentioned that because we're going to talk about the um, man in Ontario who was charged with second-degree murder. After there was um, armed intruders broke into his house and uh, threatened his mother, I think assaulted his mother, and um, he shot one of them dead. So apparently you can't defend yourself or your family in this province. We can talk about that as well, this, uh, this segment, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. Let's begin with uh, Robert Robert is calling from uh, Toronto, I believe. Hey, Robert, how are you? Welcome. Oh, good. Thanks, sir, for taking my call. I'm just um, kind of uh, a bit uh, taken aback uh, about the news you gave us about Mr. Polivare, uh making that comment about uh, Ms. Mrs. Anderson. As um, I've followed her a bit myself, and, and I just was wondering, did Mr. Oliver, explain why he said what he said, like what it was based on. Like, did he did he refer to a quote from I, I uh, believe, Christine? Or? I believe in Warren. No, he didn't mention anything specifically that she said, nor did Warren Kinsella um, in his article in The Sun today. Uh, but Warren Kinsella uh, in the article said that the Toronto Sun had contacted Pierre Polyev to let him know um, about Christine Anderson from their perspective. So Polyev, I guess, was taking his cues from the Toronto Sun and also the Anti-Hate Network after it was disclosed that or revealed that three conservative MPs had dinner with Christine Anderson. The Anti-Hate Network got involved. Um, I believe there was a, a Canadian Jewish organization. I don't have the name in front of me. And, uh, and then, of course, the Toronto Sun article. So you put all those three together and Pierre Polyev issued that uh that that letter condemning Christine Anderson. Well, it's very surprising. I, I have some very good. Um, I'm not Jewish myself. I have 
some very good Jewish friends and their supporters of Mr. Polivare. So it's very surprising. Well, uh, they're supporters of Pierre Polyev. Okay. Um, so what? So what is surprising about that? I'm not sure what. what well, you were saying, you were saying that was a Jewish organization that was yeah. uh, con- condemning. Uh, well, if listen, uh, if if it's if there's any basis in this, and again, I have no indication from Christine Anderson following her on social media, watching her many YouTube videos. Max Bernier, who had dinner with her last night, said you can you can go back and check her posts on Facebook, on Twitter, you won't on YouTube, you won't find anything. That was my sense. Uh, however, she does belong to this alternative for Germany party that has been accused of saying some um, pretty vile and horrible things. Again, if true, the problem is um, that, unfortunately, I mean, anti-Semitism is real. And I've talked a lot about it on the program. And today it's mainly coming from the left. It's on college campuses. It's coming from academia primarily. Yeah, there are a few you yeah. know, skinheads out there. Um not not a lot. One is too many, obviously. Uh, but um, the, the the term now has been also been used just to, to stifle uh, an opposing viewpoint. So, for example, if you're against open borders and you want, you know, you want to, to, to limit um, immigration, if you want to reduce illegal immigration and maybe even reduce legal immigration, um, then you're considered uh, a, a racist. So the, yeah, the term racist, yeah, 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 yeah. They, just get, mm-hmm. uh, they get used to shut down. So when someone throws that out there, I mean, I need to hear it from the person myself. I need to ask that person and find out for myself, which I hope to do with uh, with Christine Anderson, if we can get her back on tomorrow. I want to hear it directly from her. OK, so I hope uh, all the best for for that. I hope I look forward to your having her on. All right, Robert, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. The Sofa Cinephile coming up next. Stand By Me. I saw that when it came out in the theaters back in uh, 1986. So, what, 37 years ago. Tremendous cast. River Phoenix, Will Wheaton, Jerry O'Connell, Corey Feldman, Kiefer Sutherland, Richard Dreyfus. Uh, again, one of those tremendous coming of age movies. And, uh, I guess it's out now on, um, there's a new edition out on 4k. So, uh, our good friend, the sofa cinephile, Christopher Garitano, uh, is coming up next with a special look. He'll unpack that for us. Uh, I see people calling in now. We're out of time, unfortunately, but, but tail end of the program, last order of business. I've carved out some more time to take your calls. So, be ready for that. 289-275-9600. The Sofa Cinephile next on The Richard Serrett Show. Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk. Saga, 960 AM. The Sofa Cinephile on The Richard Serrett Show. What is it? You guys want to go see a dead body? This is really a good time. You burned something on your neck. Legion! Oh my god! 
I want to see a dead kid. Maybe it shouldn't be a party. I'm never going to get out of this town now, my glory. You think Mighty Mouse could beat up Superman? What are you, cracks? I'll kill you, I swear to God. Ah, there you go. Stand by me. That takes me back. Such great memories. What a wonderful coming of age drama directed by Rob Reiner. Based on Stephen King's 1982 novella, The Body. What a cast. River Phoenix, Will Wheaton, Jerry O'Connell, Corey Feldman, Kiefer Sutherland and Richard Dreyfus, And uh, here to unpack, uh, I believe it's a new 4K edition. The Sofa Cinephile, Christopher Garitano, award winning film uh, filmmaker, TV producer and host of the podcast Off to the Witch. Christopher, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. You know, I don't think I've seen this movie since it came out 37 years ago. Uh, wow. So is it now, is it a four, new 4K edition? Yes, it is. It's gorgeous. Great sound. Um, you know, everything's remastered. Fantastic extras. I was 10 when this came out, and I remember seeing it at 10 years old. Ah, uh, so yeah. It, you know, kind of blew me away. I'm just about the same age as the kids in the movie. Right, right. For those who haven't seen it, I mean, I've described it as a coming-of-age drama based on, uh, well, the, uh, the, the book is a little darker, I think, by Stephen King. It's called The Body. Tell us about, about the movie, the, 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 the synopsis. Sure. Um, close 12 year old friends. Um, what do we have Four of them? 1959 in fictional town of Castle Rock, Oregon. They hear through rumors through the older kids that there is, um, one of their classmates was hit by a train and he's dead in the woods and they go on this odyssey to find the body to locate it. And along the way, encounter everything you could think of, danger, older kids trying to hurt them, uh, the wilderness. And, you know, this is this is at the the time where they're about to move into high school. So this is a profound time where they're transferring from, you know, kids to teenagers. Right. A lot of adolescent angst, um, most notably with uh, Kiefer Sutherland. Sorry, not Kiefer Sutherland, River Phoenix. Um, I, was that his film debut? Was this River Phoenix? Well, you know, I'm not sure. I don't know, but I think it's the best that all of them collectively performed in a movie, in my opinion. Uh, also, Rob Reiner. I mean, I loved his adaptation of another Stephen King movie, uh, Misery. Fantastic. Oh, uh, yes, the, yes. With uh, James Caan, right? Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I, I don't know if this was River Phoenix's first role. I'm not sure. One of his most notable, to be sure. Yeah, right, no, so, his life was cut too short. Yes. Uh, way too young. Um, so unpack the uh, the 4K edition. What other goodies do we get? So, I mean, you have the movie, which is just, you know, worth the price of admission. But there are a ton of extras. There's a picture-in-picture commentary um, with Rob Reiner. So you can actually watch him while you watch the movie. And he'll explain things. There's documentaries, deleted scenes that were never before uh I mean, there were other special editions, but there's stuff on here that wasn't in the previous editions. And uh, with the documentaries, did you learn anything? I don't know, behind the scenes about the making of Stand By Me that you didn't know prior? Yeah. You know, I didn't know how Stephen King felt about it. I didn't know how it was received critically at the time. There were some critics that really slammed it. And then others, it, you know, it did well at the box office, but it was embraced by others. And this is why, you know, I don't really put too much. Uh, I don't invest too much in critics. I don't care. Right. You know, right. It's and really did, about my experience with the film. Sure. Excellent point. And what did Stephen King think of the uh, the movie adaptation of his book? He felt it was the best 
and you know there were quite a few as you know uh and and some good ones some really bad ones but he felt this was the best the closest to what he was writing and i wonder how many directors actually try and contact king and have a hard to hard conversation with him just to get into the material you know you have to make it your own as a director i had just directed a film of someone else's screenplay and i had this conversation but you have to you you i think you really need to to dig into the writer's mind for a moment and try and find out what they were thinking when they created this world. Right. We talked previously about The Shining and how Stephen King wasn't that thrilled with the uh, the, the film adaptation. Um, so when you say he was, um, this was the best adaptation, do you mean of all of his books or were there other film adaptations of his novella, The Body? Oh, well, Shawshank Redemption came from different seasons. Uh, there weren't any others, as I'm aware of, of this particular novella. Um, but Different Seasons was the book that held uh, both Shawshank Redemption, which was a great movie, by the way, and um, and The Body, which became Stand By Me. Uh, oh, I see. OK, so of all the adaptations you're saying, Stand By Me was it, well, he felt it was the best. At 19 in 1986. By that time, and there were quite a few adaptations, he felt Stand By Me was the best, that it nailed what he was creating on the page, the world that he intended. All right. So the 4K edition of Stand By Me, lots of uh, goodies, documentaries, director commentary and so forth. Um, and where do we get it? Big box stores, the usual suspects. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This one's in, in, in wide release and availability. But again, you know, a lot of my stuff I order online. All right. We'll look for it. Christopher Garitano, how do we uh, listen to the uh, Off to the Witch podcast? Search Off to the Witch wherever you find your podcasts. Our latest guest, Catherine McGowan, uh, forensics, uh, CSI investigator, and now living in New Orleans, looking into the unknown. Oh, wow. That's an appointment, too. And I'm going to listen to that. Thank you so much, Chris. All right, thank it. you. All right. First, we filled your mind. Let's twist it. This is the Lim Riddler. Happy Friday, Lim Riddler. We made it. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well, Richard. Yourself? Very well. Very well. Uh, all right. With all the snow out there. Yeah. Winter is <laughs> yeah. finally here, eh? Yeah, we got to go and shovel the rink in the backyard and then uh, maybe flood to smooth it out. We're hoping to get one more good weekend of uh, shinny on the backyard. Oh, this, is, this is perfect, then. You probably had to endure January waiting for a nice cold February. It was miserable. It was just horrible uh, backyard skating weather. Absolutely. Uh, we, our, our rink was a swimming pool suddenly. Um, <laughs> all right, so... The uh, the limb riddle, we're looking for a one word answer that satisfies all of the clues, all four clues. And uh, you can send your one word answer to info at limriddles.com, info at limriddles.com. Put 960 in the subject line. That way no, we know you heard it right here on Saga 960 while you're there at limriddles.com. Be sure to subscribe. That way you get the uh, you get the limb riddle delivered right to your email inbox every Friday right about this time. And then you can follow along by reading it. It's always easier to read it than to listen to it on the radio, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So this week's is called Nose and Fresh Fruit. And this should appeal <laughs> to people who, uh, who are fruit lovers, landscapers, basketball players, 
uh, and wine connoisseurs. Uh, and I just about covers that. Oh, as, as he raises his uh, Rioja to. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Richard can see me on Zoom, so he knows what I'm up to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Let's have uh, it. And so today's goes like this. Nose and fresh fruit. Practice performed with the nose and fresh fruit. Choice of sommeliers extolled as astute. What prize digs and hacks in the guise of an axe? Basketball block on defense in pursuit. All right. That's a good one. So... Uh, be sure to be listening just before the news at six, and I will reveal the answer to this week's Lim Riddle and announce the name of uh, the winners, including one lucky winner who will be awarded a pair of tickets to see the Mississauga Steelheads in action at home Friday, March 3rd against the North Bay Battalion. To get your Steelheads tickets, visit the Paramount Fine Food Center box office or call 905-502-7788. Lim Riddler, you have a great weekend. Keep your stick on the ice. You too, Richard. Enjoy the uh, the backyard rink. Bye for All now. Right. Bye bye. The Lim <laughs> Solve this puzzle. The Lim Riddler. Every Friday at four fifty on the Richard Serrett Show on Saga nine sixty AM. All right, hour two, just minutes away, featuring uh, Ivan Elan, senior fellow at the Independent Institute and director of the Independent Institute's Center on Peace and Liberty. He's arguing that the U.S. should turn the Ukraine war over to its European allies. I wholeheartedly agree. That conversation starts in about three minutes. Don't go away. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption. This is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. And you will atone. 
right, welcome to Hour 2. And if you missed Hour 1, you missed a lot, but don't despair. Still plenty of great programming coming your way. Uh, last order of business, well, the actual last order of business before saying goodbye, I will uh, announce the, or reveal the answer to this week's Lim Riddle and announce the names of the winners, including one lucky winner who will win a pair of tickets to see the Mississauga Steelheads in action at home Friday, March 3rd against the North Bay Battalion. Uh, also, our good friend Greg Carrasco will be here, host of the Greg Carrasco Show. We'll talk about the uh, Ontario man who's been charged with murder in the second degree for defending his property and his family. Uh, armed intruders broke into his home in Milton and uh, he quickly dispatched one of them to, uh, to uh, meet his maker. Uh, the attacker even assaulted the um, this man's uh, mother. Uh, and yet he was charged with second degree murder. So apparently you uh, you cannot defend yourself, at least in the province of Ontario. Things are a little different in uh, Alberta in that regard, thankfully. Uh, what else do we have going on? Oh, yes. Uh, Mike Karafalidis, the uh, play-by-play man for the Mississauga Steelheads, uh, will be here. We'll talk a little Steelheads hockey as the uh, Trout get ready to do battle this uh, tonight and then uh, tomorrow as well. Uh, right now, um, you know, if never mind um, if you don't proclaim President Zelensky of the Ukraine to be the uh, the reincarnation of Thomas Jefferson, uh, if you don't agree that uh, the West NATO countries should write continue to write blank checks um, from now until eternity, you're considered uh, a puppet of Vladimir Putin. So I, I have to wonder how my next guest's article is going to play with the uh, the uh, the war party in the United States. He writes that the U.S. should turn Ukraine's war over to its European allies. I wholeheartedly agree. Ivan R. Eland is senior fellow at the Independent Institute and director of the Independent Institute Center on Peace and Liberty. He's a graduate of Iowa State University, received an MBA in applied economics and a PhD in public policy from George Washington University. And he joins me now. Ivan, how are you? Hi, how are you doing? Very well, very well. Um, first question, though, and, and how is this uh, article you've written being received? Because, as I mentioned, unless you uh, unless you consider Zelensky to be the next Thomas Jefferson and agree that uh, Ukraine should get whatever it wants forever, you're considered, you know, an enemy of the state and a Putin puppet. You're here. Here you are suggesting that it's time for the U.S. to turn that this war over to European allies. How is it being received? Well, of course, <laughs> they don't really want to do that. But this is a decades old problem. Uh, since World War II, like 77 years now, we've been footing the bill for the Europeans through the Cold War. And even after the Soviet Union, the Berlin Wall fell down like, and the Soviet Union was no more. We've always had a problem and all alliances have this. If you're the king of the alliance, you get to assume all these costs for being the big man on campus. And this has really come home to roost with us now because it's really uh, the, uh, the EU combined has more GDP than the U.S. We're $31.5 trillion in debt, and it's high time that we really uh, take a look at where, where we need to be involved. And I think China is a much bigger uh, threat, especially after the Russian military has proven to be uh, uh, you know, a paper tiger. 
basically. And I think the Europeans could fund this war. Certainly, uh, they're all very wealthy, and they could they could uh, procure arms for the Ukrainians, and they could even um, you know use their own stocks. There's no imminent threat to them, and certainly the Russians aren't going to be attacking anytime soon. So I just don't see why. Uh, we need this. Europe needs to be an economy of what they call the military calls an economy of force theater, meaning that you uh, minimize your do what you have to do, but minimize it and focus on other places. In this case, East Asia. We keep hearing um, leaders, United States here in Canada as well. We're going to stand with Ukraine until as long as it takes. What does that even mean? What is the actual strategic objective here do they even know well i think that's that's in doubt and of course the ukrainian uh, ukrainians understandably want to get all their territory back but it's just not going to happen unless the russian military just completely collapses because the russians so outnumber the um ukrainians both in personnel available i mean the, the russians essentially have a limitless supply of people now training them up through their constricted training pipeline and getting them to the front with some semblance of training doesn't necessarily do the Russians much good because they're cannon father, but they can keep doing this for a while. And Putin doesn't seem to care about human life. So um, at least in the war. And so uh, it's, it's kind of open-ended how far this is going to last. It's going to be a race between uh, I think, if enough Russians get killed, if they if it's true that they have 200,000 casualties, 600,000 deaths, uh, then eventually with a conscripted military, people are going to start getting mad even in an autocratic society. But on the other hand, Ukraine's got to maintain this uh, Western uh, aid pipeline and training pipeline. Uh, and then it's a race to the finish, basically. Uh, is could the part of the objective be that they they want Putin humiliated to the point where he is I don't know ousted from power? Um, uh, is I mean is that uh, one of the goals? Well, it could be. They're not stating that, of course. They, their stated goals are not interested in that. But of course, they don't want to say that because then Putin is backed into a corner and he could use nuclear weapons or whatever. But you know, they could want to weaken him and hope. Well, this is what happened the first Gulf War that didn't work. They they didn't want to depose Saddam Hussein, but they wanted these groups, Shiites and Kurds, to do it for them. Well, after after the war was with the United States was over, Saddam just killed killed all the groups and you know repressed them. And you know that's what they're hoping. I think maybe in this case that somebody will do something to Putin, but uh, that could not that may not happen. It's very iffy when you count on deposing a leader because it's hard to do, especially in an autocratic society. So I think the war is going to go on for a while. But I think the United States, uh, we've done a lot for the Ukrainians, and I think we need to turn it over to uh, the Europeans. And guess what? Some of our weapons are too sophisticated for the Ukrainians to use quickly. I'm not saying they couldn't eventually do it because they're very in innovative, but they just don't have time for that. Like the the M1 tank, much more sophisticated than the British tank or the Leopard 2 tank of the Germans, which is what the Ukrainians really need. But the, all these European countries don't give any uh, of a type of weapon system until the U.S. has put it in the 
put it in the theater itself, which is absolutely crazy, right? The Europeans have a bigger stake in this than we do. And they got to get more independent in their defense thinking. And they're never going to do that if we do everything for them. It's like a parent doing everything for their child. And then they get to be 18 and out in the world and they don't know what to do. Right. So you have to kind of give your teach your kids how to deal with the world when, when, when it comes around and when they get out there. And the same thing is true with our European allies at this point. They've never spent as much on defense as they needed to. And now is the time when they're, they're, this is really strategic for them. It's not for the U.S., all right, we'll take a quick time out. Ivan Eland is uh, with us, and the article is The U.S. Should Turn the Ukraine War Over to Its European Allies. Back with more of our conversation in three minutes. Don't go away. Welcome back to The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. We're back with Ivan Eland, senior fellow at the Independent Institute and director of the Independent Institute's Center on Peace and Liberty. Funny, nobody, I guess, outside of Matt Gates in uh, the U.S. House of Representatives is is talking about peace um, when it comes to the uh, war in Ukraine. And uh, just creeping from your article here, Ivan, you write, most wars in history are concluded by negotiated settlements, not swashbuckling triumphs. This war will likely end no differently. But only when both sides are exhausted, which could take some time because Ukraine, understandably, wants to recover all its territory. And Vladimir Putin, insulated somewhat from domestic pressure, wants to salvage something he can claim as a victory. So uh, point taken. Excellent point. What then is to be done? Well, I think uh, in the medium term, I would turn more of this war over to the support for the war over to our European allies. Uh, and in the longer term, when both sides are exhausted, which I think is eventually going to happen, unless uh, the Russian military somehow collapses or Ukraine economy collapses, um, what you could do uh, for a settlement, uh, and, and as I say, most wars do end in settlements. Even the Russo-Finnish War in 1940, where the Finns just shellacked the Soviets, they had to give up some land and they had to reach a settlement. But it, it's, it was, you know, history records Finland really basically won the war uh, because there were the David uh, against the Goliath. The same is true here when, when the Russians um, didn't take Kiev. Uh, you know, uh, you always measure things against expectations in life. And it was, the Russians were supposed to win it in three days. And here we are a year later, and the Ukrainians have been putting up quite a quite a fight. Um, and so I don't think Ukrainians have to be scared of what they're saying they're scared of. And that is if they don't get back all their territory, it's going to be uh, a catastrophe and the Russians are going to have gained from this. And And I don't think history is going to show that. But what you need is a stable settlement. And I think both sides kind of need to get something in that. And, uh, and they need to save Putin needs to save some face. So what I would do is they had referendums in in these areas that Russia took over before in the Donbass and in Crimea. They were kind of sham re- referendums. But what I would say is what you need is to withdraw forces from these areas and then have a legitimate internationally monitored uh, referendum so that these people in the Russian speaking and Russian areas of Ukraine can vote to whether they want to be in Ukraine 
Russia or some independent entity. And I think self-determination in the long term is going to, it would give both sides a face saving, say, well, you know, Ukrainians in this area want to be with Ukraine. The Ukrainians over here are really still want to be in Russia. So, you know, uh, this would give both sides a sit face saving way out and also would ensure a long term solution so that you don't have minority an excuse uh, for Russia to come in and say, well, we're protecting Russian who are being abused by Ukrainians or or vice versa. And so uh, I think that in the long term, that may be one way that they could solve the problem. Yeah. Unfortunately, as you say, it's the long term. So we have to wait until both the Russian and the right. Ukrainian right. Uh, forces are exhausted. That could take how long? Years? I mean, uh, well, it's so, you know, it's a race between whether whether the uh, you know, uh, with a conscript military, as we had in Vietnam, we saw what happened with that. But of course, we're a more free society than Russia is by a long stretch. But a conscript army that people, where people would be taking away from their careers and what they want to be, young people, and killed on the field of battle. And, you know, they've already lost probably as many as we did in the entire Vietnam War in one year. So this is an intense conflict. So if they, if Putin sometime, somehow gets in trouble or falls because of, of this versus whether Ukraine will run out of uh, Western help. Uh, but I think, you know, like I say, I think the Europeans uh, need to, I think they've realized that this is, this is a threat to them. Russia is a threat to them, but they should deal with that threat. There are plenty of, they're plenty wealthy enough. I mean, the Texas has a bigger economy than the vast reaches of Russia, right? And right. so, and, and Italy is, it, put it in European terms, it's about the same size of, of economy as Italy has. And so, uh, the European Union as a whole has a bigger GDP than the U.S. So there's no reason why these, these countries can't produce both weapon weaponry, or if they don't have it all, they can buy it. And give it to the Ukrainians or loan it to them and pay it back in the future. So it's just we we really can't afford to police the entire world. And the Asian theater is more important now uh, because of the trade volumes and because of all the countries that are rising. Uh, Taiwan, South Korea, Japan's already there, uh, Australia, et cetera. Right. So, I think it, so it, there has to be division of labor among the West. And there's just not. Right now, Ivan Eland is a senior fellow at the Independent Institute and director of the Institute's Center on Peace and Liberty. Ivan, thank you so much. Great meeting you. Great article. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. All right. When we come back, a little Steelheads hockey talk. Mike Carafalidis, commentator for the Steelheads, joins me. Stay with us. The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Here's Party Scott! The Mississauga Steelheads, and uh, they begin a road trip tonight in Kingston and then uh, tomorrow uh, facing off against the, uh, the the league best Ottawa 67s. And here with a preview is Mike Carafalidis, commentator for the Mississauga Steelheads, heard right here on Saga 960. Mike, how are you? 
Oh, I'm doing well, Richard. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm terrific and great to have you on here. Uh, all right. So um, Mississauga played three really close games last weekend and they came away with just three out of a possible six points. What do you think they could have, should have done differently to, have, to maybe have had a better result? Well, you know, they actually played pretty well in the weekend. Uh, on Friday, they had a really, really nice win against the Niagara Ice Dogs. I scored four to three in overtime. Zander Betcha getting that overtime winner. And uh, the team, they really, they had just pretty much outshot the, the Niagara Ice Dogs and they really outplayed them right from the beginning of the game. So that was a big two points on the Friday. Then it's Saturday. I mean, you go in against the the number two team in the league, the Windsor Spitfires, and lose it three to three in overtime, and uh, they still pick up a point. So I mean, they just really, really outworked Windsor. And in the third period, Windsor couldn't really get the puck out of their own zone. I mean, the rookies still doing a great job with Porter Marzone, Jack Van Bolson had a really nice passing play. Everybody's really buying into James Richmond's system and really playing hard. So that was a harder point. And then on Monday, I mean, they just ran into a hot goalie. I mean, Andrew Oak, he really, really played well for the Saginaw Spirit. Here's a guy that played for Team USA. Uh, he was a backup of Team USA at the World Junior Championship. So they really, really played hard on the weekend. The rookies played well. Uh, James Hardy was was amazing as usual, and the leadership was good. Uh, so uh, it, it, they really played well. And, and, and Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Look for this weekend to be a little bit better than last weekend. Well, having said that, you're right, because uh, they're 2-0 and against Kingston uh, this season. What has uh, allowed Mississauga to be so successful against the Frontenac so far? Um, they just all work, though. I mean, K- Kingston is kind of the same kind of team as, as Mississauga. They really, really like to work hard. They like to get their one line rolling one after another. And, uh, yeah, Mississauga, they outworked in the first two games of the year. But those are against uh, different te- uh, different guys. Like, this is now this is, uh the new era, I guess you could say, because Ethan Belmastro's gone, uh, Luca Delbel believes. And, uh, so, I mean, these guys say it's going to be a big, uh, it's going to be a big test against the CCC, but Kingston's nearest some injuries as well. Paul Ledwinski, the Chicago Blackhawks draft pick, is going to be out of the lineup. Uh, Chris Tebow's out of the lineup as well. And, uh, I mean, those are two big guns. So the Miss Black Steelheads, uh, they got to take advantage of these games, sitting right now fifth of the Eastern Conference for the and the, uh, excuse me, the Kingston Fondas. You can hear it a little bit. Uh, there's a lot of people coming here. Richard, sorry about that. So. That's all right. <laughs> but uh, no, the Steelers uh, are sitting at 50 years of conference, and the Kingston Fondas are sitting at eight. So uh, Kingston's going to be fighting 
big time tonight. They're going to be looking for blood. So, uh, because the Steelers have taken two games off in this year. So, this is the third meeting of four. So, the Steelers have just kicked their title for the medal. Keep those four lines moving. Stick to the system, James Richmond's system, and uh, they should be okay tonight. All right. So, on to tomorrow in Ottawa to take on the league's best 67s. What makes Ottawa such a good team? Oh, they just stacked up. I mean, Dave Cameron, I mean, coach, this guy's coaching the NHL, this guy's coaching the AHL. He's just a great coach, and they all buy in to Dave Cameron's system, right? And uh, they picked up uh, they picked up some a key member at the trade deadline, and one guy, Logan Morrison, and they they just really work hard too. Very two very similar teams as well, Mississauga and Ottawa. Uh, but uh, it's going to be a tough. I mean, they're the best team in the in the OHL, but the Steelers just got to come out and and really just outwork them and just take their chances. And when they when they get their chances, excuse me to capitalize on them. They can't miss in their chances. So, uh, because Ottawa's not going to miss. So it's going to be, it's going to be a tough one, but the Steelhead, they'll be right there. If they can work hard, they can take these guys to the limit. The penalty kill continues to struggle. Uh, they gave up four shorthanded goals last weekend. What is it going to take to, uh, to fix this uh, struggling unit? You know, I heard, a, I think a long time ago about the penalty kill and, there was an old coach that used to coach in the league, uh, Bud Stefanski, now retired. And I asked Bud, and I said, well, what is it about the penalty show? I mean, why does it struggle so much? You know, he said to me, look, it's a work in progress. He said, that, you know, as long as it comes around near, you know, like kind of at the end of the year or uh, just as long as you keep working on it, it's going to come around kind of thing. You know what I mean? So if they keep working on the penalty show, yes, it has been struggling. Things are going to get better. I mean, uh, there's no reason why the penalty kill could couldn't get better, especially with these players. So they're they're, they're really working hard. They're young too, right? So you're gonna have these these uh, these mistakes from the young players and stuff, maybe on the penalty kill. But so yeah, they have the struggle. But let's look for that to to get back up. That's for sure. All right. Well, we'll be listening tonight as uh, Mississauga takes on uh, Kingston, and then tomorrow against Ottawa. Mark or Mike Carafalitas, commentator for the Steelheads. Thank you so much, Mike. You have a great uh, time tonight. No problem, Richard. Thanks so much for having me. Have a great one. All right. We'll be listening. To get your Mississauga Steelhead tickets, visit the Paramount Fine Food Center box office or call 905-502-7788. Greg Carrasco is next. Stay with us. Just having a little chin wag on the Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Something's happening here. Again, let me reiterate, my opinion about gun control, always keep two hands on the weapon. An Ontario man who should have received a medal instead of a second degree murder charge shot an armed intruder, came into his house, broke into his house in Milton, assaulted his mother, and then he dispatched him off to meet his maker. Let's get uh, our good friend Greg Carrasco in here with his thoughts. The host of The Greg Carrasco Show heard Saturday mornings 8 to 11 on the Mighty Saga 960. Greg, how are you? Uh, you know, I, I seem to be losing faith in humanity by, by the hour, Richard. Uh, <laughs> after, after I heard the news that came out of Melton, uh, Ontario this week, I thought, uh, at what point the laws, they simply don't make sense anymore. You know, here we have a, a family, a uh, mother and a son, 22-year-old boy, um, who is fully licensed with registered guns at home, doing absolutely nothing wrong other than just sleeping in his home. 
more intruders break in with a legal with an illegal gun, you know, assaulting his mother, and he came to her rescue and uh, you know defended his his home, his his mom, and now he is charged with a crime. I, I don't know how this is even a, a, a charge that would have been conceived by uh, by the crown. I don't I don't understand it. Do you? Well, uh, in a sense, I, I, I know what they're up to. They'll probably end up dropping the charge, but not before they drag this guy through the whole process. Right. And he'll have maybe a year or two. He's got to hire lawyers. That'll be a huge expense. Um, he's got to he's going to have this weighing on him. His mother will have this weighing on her for for a year, maybe longer. You know how these things drag out. And then in the end, maybe they'll end up dropping the charges. So they've accomplished their mission, which is basically just to discourage people because they want us to cower under the bed and call 911 when there's a uh, an intruder coming into our house, right? Because uh, this is an nanny state. We have to leave it to the government to protect us. We're not allowed to do that for ourselves. So this is just part of their plan, I think, to demoralize us. I, I think that the bigger question for me is that how did the government see this play out for this young man to watch his mother get assaulted and perhaps murdered and him not to do anything while he watches this happen? Is that the way the government wants to see this play out? How is that in any way a reasonable response to a violent threat? I don't know. You know, Richard, uh, we we are living in strange times. I'm a fully licensed gun owner. I have registered weapons in my house. And, and this, you know, it begs the question. You know, if somebody breaks into my house and they are literally trying to kill a family member, what am I supposed to do? I think that we all know what the answer to that would be, no? You're supposed to sit them down and try and find out, you know, what is the root cause why are you breaking into my house? Sit down here, make him a cup of tea and try to understand, try to understand his feelings. Exactly. Maybe do a Rorschach test, have him look at some ink blots, uh, you know, uh, put him on the sofa, uh, find out about, you know, uh, how long, you know, did his parents hate him? All these sorts of things. That's what the government wants us to do, I guess. Well, you see, the whole notion that I believe in is that the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is with a good guy with a gun. And this is exactly what took place in Milton, Ontario. That guy should have been given a medal uh, for exactly. doing what he did. And he accomplished the goal. He, he saved his mother. He defended his place. And there is one less criminal in our system right now. I'm sorry. That's just the way I feel about it. Exactly. And and here's the other thing. Um, I'm not a gun owner, but I, I definitely support uh, gun rights. I think we should have more gun rights. I mean, I believe in conceal and carry. That'll never happen, unfortunately, in this country. But if someone breaks into your house, you have to have your gun, you know, properly stored and locked away. Yes. And then the ammunition is in another location. Right. So you've got to what? Yeah. Tell the intruder, hold on a minute. I, I've forgotten the combination to the gun safe. Is that how it works? It's essentially, you need to, especially for restricted weapons, uh, Richard, you need to have three locks. You need to have a gun lock, a gun case, and a different, in a different case lock for your ammunition. So think of all the things that need to go right in order for you to be able to defend yourself if that situa situation ever arises. The law doesn't make sense. Do I, I understand it. 
I understand that you need to have some security and respect around firearms. I mean, that's the whole point of getting yourself licensed. But what has happened to this kid is something that should have never been conceived by by Canadian courts. I'm sorry. Uh, they should throw the case out now. I mean, it shouldn't take too long for the for the case to be dropped. I agree. I agree. But I suspect they'll drag him through the process and demoralize him as a warning to uh, the rest of uh, of us. Again, just uh, we're supposed to cower under our beds and call 911. What's coming up on the big show tomorrow, Greg? Uh, we have two interesting guests. We have uh, the deputy chief of police for Peel Regional Police, uh, Nick Milinovich. Uh, I'm going to ask him about this search of um, it's, a, it's a wave of crime that we've seen uh, over the GTA for the last uh, few months. And I want to get his input on what what's happening and also what sort of uh, initiatives uh, the you know Peel Regional Police is pushing forward uh, to stop this from taking place because it's. This is becoming a dangerous place. I mean, Canada was one of the safest places on the planet. But this is what happens when you defund the police. And, um, you know, I know a lot of people don't want to have this discussion. But when the cat's away, the mouse come out, the mice come out and play. And this is exactly what is taking place right now. When the criminals have more rights than lawful, you know, citizens, uh, it's a bit of a problem. So we're going to talk to Nick about that. We also have Professor Shaw from Mohad College. He He's an expert on cybersecurity. And uh, we will be talking to him about the impact of chat GPT on oh. cyber and the cyberspace. Great topic. Um, Great topic. Yeah. This this is, uh, is I don't think that many people understand how uh, pervasive and how dangerous this uh, this uh, this tool actually is. So we are going to go down that rabbit hole, understanding what ChatGPT does and how many people are using it for the wrong reasons. All right. It's the robot apocalypse, Greg. That's what I call it. It's the robot apocalypse. All right. Saturday morning, 8 to 11, always an appointment tune. Greg Carrasco. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Love you, Richard. Talk to you soon. All right. All right, brother. Okay. When we come back, we're going to open up the phone lines, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. You can talk about whatever you want. If you want to talk about this um, uh, young man who's been charged with second-degree murder for simply defending his castle and his family by shooting dead an intruder, should have got a medal. I agree, as uh, Greg said, should have got a medal, not a second-degree murder charge. Let me know your thoughts. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. Back with more of The Richard Serrett Show right after these. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. All right. Welcome back. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. That's the number to get on board. And this is your last chance to have a go at me. Uh, to talk with me before uh, next week. Of course, I'll be back Monday, 4 p.m. Uh, but then you'll have to hold on to uh, whatever is in your craw until, uh, well, right over the weekend. Don't ruin your weekend. Don't let it stew. Get it said. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. I was talking with uh, the great Greg Carrasco, of course, host of the Greg Carrasco Show. Heard Saturday mornings, 8 to 11. He's got a, a great show lined up tomorrow. And... um we were talking about this young man in Milton who shot dead an armed intruder. I, I believe there were a number of intruders that broke into his house in Milton in the wee hours. And uh, he lives with his mom. The uh, One of the intruders assaulted his mother, attacked her. And so he, uh, he did the right thing. 
He's a registered gun owner, a lawful gun owner, and he shot one of the intruders dead. Deserves a medal. Instead, he's been charged with second-degree murder. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. If this had happened in Alberta, things might be different. Uh, maybe, uh, okay, let's go to the phones. Let's see, who do we have here? Looking for a name. Not sure. Anyway, we'll find out. You are on the Richard Sarah Show. Who's this? Hi there. Who is it? Hi there. Hey, uh, look, I, kn- I know that's an important topic, the, the gun thing. Yes. But uh, I, I was just reading a Snopes report about slavery. Nine things they don't want you to know about slavery. So the Snopes are trying to debunk it, right? Oh, God. It's so funny because they have to agree. Yes, most slaves were white. You know? Well, throughout history, I suppose that's possible. I mean, slavery has been yeah, it's been here like forever. I'm sorry, I, I just realized we are actually on there. But yeah, like the Portuguese slave trade only started in the 1440s, right? So for for 1500 years before that, all the slaves in Europe were white. Well, that's and true. That's a little known chapter uh, in history that um, white Christians were enslaved by, by North Africans. And uh, they were t- they were abducted from the European continent and, and taken to northern Africa. There were about a million between a million and a million and a half uh, white Christian slaves taken from Europe. And uh, yeah, so the point is, Europeans didn't invent slavery, but Europeans ended slavery. That was the first continent to end slavery. Well, yeah. Like Great Great Britain, the Royal Navy and slavery, but they never get credit for doing that. Uh, in fact, they're, they're still asking for reparations in the Caribbean, which yes. they've already paid reparations once. Yeah, when I uh, when you consider how many um, people died fighting to free the slaves in the Civil War, was it six hundred thousand Union soldiers? I think it was 600,000 Union uh, soldiers died. Something like that. that I saw me, monuments. That's, that's reparations right there. Sorry to interrupt. I saw monuments to uh, blacks who served in the Confederate Army. Uh, but while I've got you on the line. Well, they may have been uh, forced. I, I don't know. It, it's possible there were some. I, I, I think I read that as well. But uh, And there were blacks, of course, who fought free slaves, who fought for the, for the Union uh, Army. And there were black slave owners. People forget that as well. Yeah. Oh, yes. I was just reading about that. Like the Snopes article covered the, the black slave movement. Yes. All these people did own slaves. They were black. They did own slaves. But, but, but. Well, only about 1% um, of uh, Americans owned slaves. And of course, they were all in the South. 1%. Still too many. Um, it was horrible, of course. Nobody denies that. But, um, you know, uh, thank you for the call. It's funny that. The left often talks about, oh, we're too Eurocentric and everything is Eurocentric and, and colonial, colonialism and so forth. But when they talk about slavery, it's it's entirely through the European Eurocentric filter or lens, if you will, as if slavery began and ended with with white Europeans. It's a very Eurocentric way of looking at slavery when you think about it. And again, slavery was unfortunately the rule, not the exception. And uh, can't be stated uh, enough, repeated enough, that there are more slaves today than there ever were in the past, unfortunately, in places like Africa and the Middle East. It continues to be a scourge. 
yet nobody seems to be uh, interested in talking about today's slaves. All right, we have a little business to attend to. And now, your Lim Riddler answer, and this week's winners. All right, the uh, answer, well, let me give you the clues once again to this week's Lim Riddle. Here we go. Practice performed with the nose and fresh fruit. Choice of sommeliers extolled as astute. What prize digs and hacks in the guise of an axe. Basketball block on defense in pursuit. All right. Jacob and Declan, you should know this, this basketball reference. The answer is, did anyone get it? Pick, pick. All right. So it's best to pick your fresh fruit. It's best to pick your nose in private. Uh, choice of sommeliers extolled as astute. Astute sommeliers regularly declare their best pick, i.e. the recommended wine choice. What prize digs and hacks in the guise of an axe? A pick or pickaxe. Has a long curved head with a point on one end and a broad flat axe blade on the other. Basketball block or defense in pursuit. In basketball, a pick is performed when an offensive player puts their body between a defender and their own teammate. So who has the basketball, thus blocking the defensive player from getting at the ball? There you go. And the first five to answer correctly were, here's, here we go, the usual suspects, Duncan Ruxton of Thunder Bay, Tom Dibley of Halliburton, Bill Heller of Edinburgh, Texas, Sue Somerville of Calgary, and the winner of a pair of tickets to see the uh, Mississauga Steelheads at home in action Friday, March the 4th against the North Bay Battalion is Ron Polidori of Brantford, Ontario. Congratulations, Ron. And uh, if you didn't win this time and you still want to see the Steelheads at home, you can visit the Paramount Fine Food Center's uh, box office or call 905-502-7788. That's it for me. My thanks to Jody, Declan, and Jacob. I'll be back next week to do it all over again, God willing. I'll speak with you on Monday at 4. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you Monday afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga960am. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy.